In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. And welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode 127. I'm going to be. I'm going to be the one that walks Uh a thousand miles to you. I think it's because at the end, don't they add it together? 500 500 miles. Yeah, okay. okay. I will walk 500 miles. I'm not going to walk 500 miles for anyone. I'm going to tell you that right now. No, that's absurd. It's absurd. How long would that even take? 500 miles of walking would take. That's like the rest of your life. Yeah. And then back. And then 500 more. You got done with the first 500, and then someone said, hey, if you really love me, you'll do another 500. That's abuse. It is because. That's manipulation. They know you're not going to survive that. No. So. No. no, Go right ahead. Yeah. Uh So yeah, apparently um, my love for anyone will not withstand 500 miles, and I'm okay no. with that. I'm not like the proclaimers. Guess what? I'm more in the meatloaf category. I'll do anything for love, <laughs> but I won't do that. Much better. Which I yes. like how vague it is. It really so is. So that I can fit in anything. Yes. Including 500 miles of walking. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. It's nice that this is our last of the one-hit wonders, because we're really just tearing it down. Yes. Like, this doesn't make any sense. We're done. We're done. Yeah. Well, I so I picked it this week because there's kind of like a, a manifestation element to mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm going to be this person. I'm yeah. going to do this. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about, you know, like a manifestation being the person you want to be kind yeah. of theme. Which I love. Yeah, which there's is a lot great. Here. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of depth in the idea of manifestation. And we revealed that we will not be the people to walk long distances. No, that's not something I'm going to manifest. Not gonna, nope, no. I'm not going <laughs> to. Nope. Because <laughs> nope. if we're manifesting, I can just manifest teleportation. And then I'm just right there Done. immediately. Done. Don't have to do it. 100%. So. Okay, like you said, mm-hmm. the idea of maybe creating the life you want or becoming the person that you want to be. Yes. In practical terms, lay mm-hmm. it out for us. How does one do that? I don't know. Oh, I don't okay. think anybody okay. knows. Sure, I sure, think sure. that that's yeah. why it's a billion dollar industry because... Yeah, no kidding. It, yeah. Yeah, because if we could do it, we wouldn't need all the tools, right? But that's right. why we all get sucked in and buy the planners and the organizers and the dream boards mm-hmm. and the this and the that's and the all the other things because we think we can do that. We want to believe as humans that we can somehow have control over certain parts of yes. ourselves. And instead, if we just practiced radical self-love... Yeah. We'd probably be a lot happier. Oh, man. And just be able to accept that, like, that's just not part of my thing. Like, we can accept it on some level. Like, we can say, hey, you know, I'm never going to be a famous athlete. Like, we can get there, but we don't take it down to the next level where it's like, you know, I might just not be the person that can run five miles a day. Or I just might not be the person that's interested in having a bridge club. Mm -hmm. I'm not the person that's interested in, you know, 
volunteering somewhere, whatever it is. Like, the, And often we don't take it to the point of like examining, why would I want those things? Yes, Like, exactly. why should I be the kind of mother we're supposedly supposed to be? Why should yeah. I be this? And why am I killing myself in order to do it? Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I just feel like it's just not, it's not achievable mm-hmm. because trying to fundamentally change you. No, that's not to say that you can't create habits or reach goals or anything like that. That's not really what I'm talking about. But even that on a level takes a very specific plan and amount of dedication for it to work. I mean, there's a reason that no one's New Year's resolutions ever last because (laughs) we make them, but there's no actual plan attached. So when when I say manifestation, I feel like that's something different than this is something I want to achieve. So this is the steps. I'm Absolutely. Do it. It's like magic versus goals, yes. you know, like wishing versus actually taking yes. steps to make something happen. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think if you're not realistic, even on a small level, it's not going to work. Like, hey, I, I want to make I want to eat better. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, what does How that does that, that look? Like, that's a good point, too, is like saying what we want to happen. We don't really get very specific. Yeah. We have these lofty sort of things that aren't going to work anyway. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think that, that it's a great industry. We're all willing to buy like, oh, this. And I mean, it's what all of advertising is based on, right? Mm-hmm. This will make you the person you want to be. If you drink Pepsi or you drive this car mm-hmm. or you wear these clothes or you listen to this music, instead of just accepting that, you know, every human is a bundle of contradictions and that's okay. Wiser words were never spoken, Aaron. Right? Well done. Thank you. Yeah. And that comes from my own life because, <laughs> listen... I can, there's so many contradictions in my head at Mm -hmm. any given time Mm -hmm. and in my whole being. Yeah. So. It's interesting that uh, we are talking about manifesting because this week uh, the annual right of Spotify (laughs) wrapped came out (laughs) and I had a moment where like, oh shit, I put this in the universe and this is going to happen in which it told me that I'm in the top 0.5% listeners of Nine Inch Nails. And I was like, well. This means that I am manifesting Trent Reznor into my life. I think so. That this is happening. That magic is real. Yes. And he's going to somehow know about this. Like Spotify is going to notify him. Of his top. Uh, Yep. 0.5%. And somehow he's going to see my name and he's going to like, I feel a connection. I do feel like we should meet. Yeah. So Trent, I'm ready. Here we are. She's ready. I'm ready. Uh, One one area that I feel like manifestation sometimes forgets to highlight is like what might be the hurdles to Uh, that? (laughs) Well, one is he's married. Okay. So there's that. Okay. Okay. All right. So he has a whole other life. we don't know the state of his marriage. I'm not. (laughs) Very true. We don't know. Very true. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. He probably lives in L.A., so that's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, planes yeah. are for. Uh-huh. Okay. That's what planes are for. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I see no impediments. Okay. Whatsoever. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Those okay. are the only things in the way mm-hmm. of me and Trent that's perfect. being lovers forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Everything about that was amazing. <laughs> so thinking of manifestation and yeah. sometimes dream boards get lumped into that. Oh boy, they do. So we know that if you had to make a dream board for 2023, Trent yeah. Reznor's on it. Obviously. What other kinds of things would you put on that dream board? Well, like we said, you know, manifestation is basically like putting something into a wishing well and yeah. just hoping that it comes, right, right? right? So if there's no action necessary, it's just magic. So I'm going to go with that and I'm going to say, I'm going to manifest some magic things. Uh-huh. One of them is that Trump is transformed by a witch into a slug. And then oh. someone crushes him. Oh, wow. I like that you created a death scenario that wasn't that violent. Right. Like smushing a slug doesn't sound that bad. Exactly. But also it would be huge. 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 I'm not done. Hold on. All the politicians who vote for anti-trans laws are revealed to be trolls. And I don't mean internet trolls. I mean actual legitimate trolls. Oh, I like that. And then they are hunted. Yeah. Because yeah. we can't have trolls. Can't have trolls run the government. Yeah. yeah. And then my final one is that Elon Musk takes his dick rocket to Venus and disappears forever. That would be great. Wouldn't it be? That would be great. Yeah. That would be terrific. So, you know, just a just a few doable things mm-hmm. that I'm hoping will happen in 2023. Mm-hmm. I'm manifesting it. Yeah. I'm telling the universe, listen, we need some wins. Yeah. We need some wins. And yes. these are some ones yes. that you could give us. I like that. I just now I had this image of Trump just being like, I was the best slug ever. Everyone agreed. I was a great slug. They'd never seen anyone slug like I did. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do with Uh it. Sleepy Joe Biden didn't know what to do with the slug. Yeah. 
let's imagine that there is a heaven or a hell, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes to hell, obviously. And so, yeah, he's he's with all the other, like, despots of all time, right? Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, you know me? I was the slug. It was the best kind of slug. And all of them are trying to one-up each other. Yeah. And he is just, he's in heaven. Yeah. Because... Yeah, he he's trying to one up everybody. Yes. And I got smushed. Uh huh. You got smushed. Yeah. I didn't get assassinated. I just got smushed. And That's guess fine. what? That sounds bad. You got smushed. Yeah. You didn't get assassinated. You didn't mm-hmm. get tortured. You didn't get taken out. You got smushed. Yeah. That's just You were reduced to a tiny, Smush. slithery, disgusting creature that you really are. Yeah. And then got smushed. Uh huh. And you got smushed. I like oh. it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. I'll keep wishing and okay. hoping because well, that's what manifesting that's is. Do. That's all we can do. Ziggy just walked by and he looked like he gave me a nod. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, that's he good. Did. He yeah, did. he He's did. He's ready to hunt the slug for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay. Let's think about, I know it's not fun, but let's think about the last couple of years of the pandemic. Ugh, right? Right. A lot has Heavy. changed. Woo. You know, mm-hmm. a lot for a lot of people. Who they are and what is important to them has changed as a result of these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there have been some changes for you? Is there anything that you have decided you just don't care about anymore? Or anything that you do care about now that perhaps you didn't? Um, I think it really comes down to more of like an emotional feeling, which is that it feels like since the pandemic, everything takes more emotional energy. Yeah. And, and I think... Uh, when I say pandemic, I feel like I'm also just wrapping up everything in the last couple of years, so much. particularly yeah. in the United States, yes. like all of the things that have happened that have just revealed how far we have to go yeah. when we thought we were further, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, or maybe we were delusional and think, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. what I mean. But uh, so it feels like things take an enormous amount of energy now. And so I think I've become more particular about where that energy is spent mm-hmm. i think I, i've been more careful because the the pandemic sort of made that okay at first like they gave us that kind of training wheel being like oh i don't feel comfortable coming because of covid Such you a, know yeah, yeah but then it kind of upped it and now you can kind of it it's sort of like hey no i just don't have time yeah or i don't I just can't invest that kind of energy. And it's sort of become a little bit more socially acceptable to do that. But even if it wasn't, it's just something that I, it has just been a feeling for me. Like that's just not going to serve me. I don't have the time to do that. I have very little patience for BS. So I just feel like I'm not going to put myself in that situation because I don't need to be dealing with that person. So I I think that that's it for me. It's just an energy. It's a feeling of like, I have to be protective of my time and energy. And that has just... Knowing that has made me weed out some things. Absolutely. I feel this exact same way. Yeah. I've done a lot of that. And and a lot of it has been teaching myself that that's okay. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I think that we were continually, and still are in many ways, just running at, running on empty, for yeah. lack of a better, you know, cliche, but like, uh-huh. just running ourselves ragged to try and do all the things you're supposed to do, and da 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 and still look happy, and pretend to be ambitious, and all the things. And I think... You know, one of the things that's happened the last couple of years, you know, the great resignation is just like showing us, yeah, this doesn't work anymore. Yeah. (laughs) None of this works anymore. And it never did, really. We were just fooling ourselves. Mm -hmm. We were pretending that all of this, like our work, 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 work and produce, produce, produce was serving us. And Mm -hmm. it isn't. It isn't. It isn't at all. No. And there's so many, so much talking particularly about work. There's been so many studies in the last couple of years from highly respected firms that do those things or publications about where productivity falls off yeah and it's way earlier than every everybody yeah. thinks like if you're chaining someone to your desk you're going to produce 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 for these amount of hours and the truth is that you actually get more and better production in shorter amounts of time with more time with a better life balance mm-hmm. and i think that that is not something people wanted to recognize but no. they're having to and, yeah. and there's a lot of truth in that i mean it makes sense i i know that just from you know I, I've been working from home now and you mm-hmm. have too for a long time and just understanding how different it is from an office environment in which you feel chained to your desk mm-hmm. from eight to five mm-hmm. and how just exhausting that was, but also just so demoralizing in a way, and you pointless. know, and there's pointless. so much time that you're not doing anything or yeah. serving. And I probably have a, a stronger, hardier work ethic at home because so much I, you 
you know, you see it, you're there, you want to get home, you want to get it done, you want to mm-hmm. get it done well, like, and, but you're, I'm also working at my peak times. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. You can sort of cater the schedule to yeah. what works best for you, mm-hmm. which, yeah. I think you're right, too, that a lot of, like, CEOs and leaders and stuff have really had uh, a lot of their assumptions challenged, and mm-hmm. that's a, that's kind of hard, and mm-hmm. some of them still aren't, aren't, aren't digging it. No, no, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think, you know, that's an interesting point, because without the pandemic... I wonder if what we're seeing at Twitter would be going down the way that it is. That's such a good point. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think people are just like, no, dude, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to sign a sheet that says I owe you 500 hours, <laughs> like some kind what of Scientology contract. Yes. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, my God. Yeah. What do you think? What did you think the reaction to this was going to be? Is like everyone's like, yes, I yay! will die for you. Dig yeah. me in your dick rocket to yeah. Venus. Yeah. And no. what I also don't like about that is like it's people like that who there's a wealth element in Elon Musk's mm. success, but instead he's, you know, trivialized it to, well, I work really hard and you're not working Ugh. hard. You're not producing. You don't have a work ethic. And it's like, well, is that true? Or are you just. You're just completely out of touch. And yeah, you're, so you're rich. freaking out and wanting control. And it's the same sort of thing with the Kim Kardashian. You know, people don't want to work these days. That kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, it's like. You're not understanding what real life is. You don't have the vulnerabilities that real life people do in their work day to day. You don't have to worry about so much that we do. Yeah, I think one thing the pandemic has shown me, too, is that a lot of the favorite things I like to do are, are not with people. That and that's yeah. okay. You yeah. Know, that yeah. Like alone time is is okay. It's valuable. Um, yeah. Yeah. It also made me a little more distrusting of people, which I had a, a sizable amount of distrust and suspicion already. Right. And it's really upped that quite a bit, which is unfortunate. And I'm yeah. trying to work through that. But, you know, it just. The world well, sucks. I think it's the pandemic, but it's also the political environment. That's absolutely it. it. It's, it's, yeah. it's made a big it's I think there two are are in linked in the United States no matter what you talk about because everything became a political thing a mask a this a that but then you have to be distrusting of everyone because you don't know where they fall what they think and everything feels a little bit dangerous it really does a little bit on edge and it's just the world that we're living in right now it's a magical time to be alive it's something I'll tell you that but I tell you if if Trump has turned into a slug we're all gonna feel a lot better 100%. So I feel like this is like a Tinkerbell situation where all of our listeners should put all of our thought into turning Trump into a slug. What if we turned him into a slug and then an exhibit? Like he was on display somewhere in a little slug house. (laughs) Like in glass. Like he can't get out. Leaving a slimy little trail all around his slug house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like that. Uh Uh-huh. See, this is the kind of creative things we need to be thinking about. Right. This is where our time and energy needs yes. to be. Manifesting slug houses. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> well, for my fiction pick. Yeah. You know, I had sort of a theme in my dream board for 2022 of turning into creatures or animals. Turning, yeah. the, turning yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the bad dudes yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah. Um, that's sort of on par with my fiction okay. theme. Um, it's called When Women Were Dragons. I wondered if you read this. Ooh, did you read it? No, it's on okay. my list, but it sounded so oh, much up your boy. alley. It's by Kelly Barnhill. It came out this year. And Alex is a young girl in the 1950s. And one day in 1955, hundreds of thousands of wives and mothers around the world transform into dragons. Many of them kill their spouses, mm. set things on fire, and then yeah. take to the skies. Well. One of the women who transforms is Alex's Aunt Marla, and she leaves behind her little girl, who Alex's family says, okay, this is your sister. Your aunt never existed. None of this ever happened. And her family is not the only one. It becomes this huge taboo to speak about what's called the mass dragoning. You never speak about dragons. You never speak about the women who left. You never speak about anything that happened ever. Just hold tight to what is real and right and normal. Okay. Wow. That's... But of course, it changes everything. Yeah. And Alex is very confused, very isolated, but she throws herself in to take care of her new sister. Oh. And at the same time, uh, you know, she's trying to deal with that. She's developing a crush on Sonia, her schoolmate, and her parents are growing weirder and weirder and so much more and more distant. But as her sister grows up, 
Alex's sister, uh, she's obsessed with dragons. She talks about them. She draws them. And Alex is terrified because this is the kind of stuff that will get you punished and shut down in some way. And also, what does it mean that her sister occasionally starts to look like a dragon? Starts to maybe transform herself. Real quick, so I'm assuming in this book that Governor DeSantis put in a law that said we can't talk about dragons? Absolutely. Okay, good. It's the don't say dragon law. That's what I thought. And it works like a charm. I thought it might. It stops all the dragons. So based in logic. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and no one ever thinks about dragons. Yeah, yeah. Ever. No, ever. Uh -uh. (laughs) So Alex's story is fascinating. And at the same time, there's another narrative that's happening. We're getting snippets of banned books about dragoning. Because some people, some academics, some scientists are writing about this. And they're fascinated by it, as you should be. Uh They're trying to get the government to listen to this. They're saying, this isn't the only time this has happened. Like, there are other incidents of this. But they're all being blacklisted. They're all being completely Ugh. ignored, shut down. Oh, no. And one particular professor will not let it go. So we're getting snippets of his book oh. as we go through. And Amazing. Then, I know. And then years later, some of the dragons come back. Oh, and we learn what really has been happening with dragoning and with women in general. No. I chose it for this theme because one of the reasons why dragoning is such a taboo topic is because the rare reports that do surface show like some of the things that describe what happens often includes like the women's last words and it's stuff like I feel so free or it has to happen or I gotta go now you know things like that that indicate that like this is a joyful thing yeah like Alex's aunt before the event we learned that she was a World War II pilot she was in this elite group of all women pilots it was amazing she did a lot of unwomanly things but afterwards she got more and more pressure to marry and to have kids Mm. and she did and she subsumed herself in the process and then she became a dragon killed her awful husband and left so there's an element of, yeah. I'm going to be more than this. I'm yeah. going to be more than what society tells me to be. For sure. And I'm going to fly out of this shit time and place, <laughs> and I'm going to live powerfully. I love it. And with Alex herself, it takes a long time to understand like how unfair things are. Yeah. You know, she, just like anyone who's living in a very traumatic situation, she blames herself for a lot of stuff. She doesn't blame how weird society is mm-hmm. or how messed up this all is. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something driving her, and she has to honor it. I... There's so much here. I loved it. There's some really beautiful stuff about women's friendships and relationships and family. I cried at the end. Oh. It was the day of the power outage. So I'm just sitting in the dark with a flashlight on my book, crying. Wow. Waiting for the power to come back. That's, that's, a, that's a powerful <laughs> image. That's a powerful end. I can't say that the crying wasn't all the book like there might have been a like oh god the power's out and when is it coming back right 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 but it was also because the end of the book is beautiful oh and i had a massive book hole afterwards i bet yeah i know i i thought this sounded amazing it's been on my list and i was like i feel like amy's for sure gonna read this. well and in case you think like dragons are super sci-fi or fantasy this is a very grounded book it just happens to have this really fantastical element of it but everything else is the world as we know it oh sounds great yeah well, for I fiction pick this week, I picked a book called I Told You This Would Happen by Elaine Murphy. Mm. Um, and this is kind of a murder mystery, but it's more like um, it has some humor in it. So it's more just kind of a fun in that way. It was released in July of 2022. And Carrie Lawrence is the main character and she has a problem. There's been a string of murders and the MO of the killer is very familiar. It's exactly how her sister liked to kill people. Oh. But the problem is that her sister is dead. Okay. So she doesn't know what's happening. Okay. So we find out that Carrie's sister, Becca, died four months ago after she committed some murders. Um, And she made Carrie kind of complicit in those crimes because sometimes she needed help burying a body Mm, or whatever. Okay. And Carrie felt this overwhelming family pressure and obligation to make sure that her sister was cared for. So... After Becca's death, Carrie has this kind of free feeling, like everything's going to be great. She can move on. She can have the life she wants. God she damn it, can yes. be with her boyfriend. She can get a normal job. She can not worry about murders. Mm-hmm. So she's excited. But then she gets invited to a meeting of the Brampton Kill Seekers, which is this kind of like group that's appointed themselves PIs. And they're trying to figure out 
who committed these murders? And they're going back to like even Becca's time. Like what, what, who committed these murders? Because Becca got away with it. Mm -hmm. So Carrie's like, oh, this is, this is kind of scary that they're re, you know, investigating this. And when she's at the meeting, she finds out that in fact, she's been incriminated by one of the notes left on a body. And this immediately springs to her head and makes her think, what? Is Becca really dead? Because that's 100% something Becca would do as an insurance policy. So right when she feels like it's getting ready to turn a corner, now she's got this crazy detective on her tail. (laughs) She's got a group of wannabe PIs, and she has a pretty gnawing feeling that something else is going on with Becca. She just doesn't know what it is. So she has no choice but to get her hands dirty again. And she may or may not have to, you know, be complicit in a few more crimes. I mean, if you have to. You have to, you have to. Yeah. Now, I when I say this, this is like a fun murdery book, but I wouldn't put it in like a super murder mystery. It's not too dark. It's not too gruesome. It has more of a caper feel okay. and like a humorous feel, which sometimes is a nice palette. Absolutely. It's not like cozy mystery where it's, you know, simplified right. in that way. It's not. And... But it's more like just kind of a humorous mm-hmm. take on it. Okay. Also, I read this book and then I found out it was actually like the the follow-up to her debut novel, which was called Look What You Made Me Do. Okay. So I can tell you with confidence that I read that after I found out because uh-huh. I liked this one. And you can read them both. There's some tie-ins, but you could read them both independently. Okay. I obviously read them out of order and okay. it was fine. So I just, I think that her writing style is fun. I think it's a great book to pull you out of any like reading hole if you've mm. been starting or stopping or yeah. you're like, you like the murder, but sometimes you need a break. Um, it's a fun mystery and the characters characters are funny the wannabe pis are great so it kind of gives you a little bit of both worlds it's not too heavy um but it also has some some tender things to say about family obligations and and manifesting the person you want to be how do you be the person you want to be when things you've done in your past maybe are still have ties on Mm -hmm. you so that's what I should have read after when we were dragons. Yeah. Because, yeah, for yeah, sure. I think yeah. I started and stopped a good five books after that. Just yeah. like, nothing. Yes. This isn't it. That's the worst part when you read a really good book is that you might end up throwing away other good books Absolutely. because you're just like, oh, yeah. it's not that. Just, it's not, it's it. not that. It's not it. It's not that. It's not dragons. Yeah. Or there's not dragons in the right way. Right. Right. This is all about dragons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to work. 100%. That sounds great. Yeah, it was good. Well, for my other genre pick... I'm going a little different. Ooh. I've got a collection of online pieces oh. from Rachel Hillsop, and she's pulled this collection together for Pocket. I don't know if you've ever seen Pocket, but it's sort of a, it's an online aggregator for a lot of different uh, news and stuff. Oh, and okay. It pulls together existing articles, but every once in a while it pulls together like a collection okay. around a certain theme. Uh-huh. And this one is called, It's Not Just Burnout, How Grind Culture Failed Women. Wow. That sounds amazing. One of the first quotes is, why weren't we admitting that the way we were living wasn't working? Mm. So this comes back to our conversation we had just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, So the author, she starts off by describing how she was one of the people that joined the Great Resignation. And she talks about why. And part of it was understanding during the pandemic that this idea of just work, work, work and excelling and pushing and all the things, it just wasn't working for her anymore. And at first she sort of blamed herself, right? But then she discovered she's not alone. Women in particular are feeling this hard. Yeah. She talks through some data from the pandemic, how men have recouped all the employment losses, but women, there's still like a million less women in the workforce Mm. two years after this all started. Mm -hmm. And it's at least in part because of all the shit we deal with, right? Like Mm -hmm. childcare for so Mm -hmm. many, uh, caretaking, the gender pay cap, racial injustice. Um, she talks about how capitalism is just deeply messed up mm-hmm. and our lives, especially women's lives, hold so little value mm-hmm. in the overall drive to just produce and produce and produce. Mm-hmm. So this collection then, it pulls together a bunch of pieces that talk about how work for women is deeply messed up. Mm-hmm. There's articles, there's essays, there's even that clip from Fleabag with Kristen Scott Thomas talking about women's pain, how yeah. we just have pain in our body and men don't have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, all of these things are about burnout and the much deeper issues behind it, along with this idea that if everyone is burned out, then it's not us that's the issue. Right. And I chose it for this theme because, you know, 
as we talked about, in this country, you're taught you have to be confident and you have to work hard and you have to manifest that person you want to be and that thing you want to do. And that's great. But then it becomes your fault if it doesn't work. Right. And if you're not happy, that's your fault, too. And if you're burned out beyond recognition, well, too bad. You got to keep going. Uh-huh. And for women, especially all these messages about like being a girl boss and being a bad bitch and all the terms they don't take into account all these added pressures uh-huh. that we have and how our society is not made for us. Uh-huh. And I really liked this collection because it gets at the problem uh, of like preaching confidence and manifesting over what, how our society actually works. Yeah. Cause it, like I was joking before, it just feels like magic, you yeah. know, like yeah. it does not take into account any reality mm-hmm. of how our country works. So it's really interesting, really fascinating, empowering in a way, too, knowing that it's not just us. There's mm. a lot of voices here you're going to really um, understand. You're really going to uh, – it feels like it rings true. Um, there's another quote here. Girl bossery looked like women getting access to the proverbial table only to clean up messes caused by a system that wasn't built with us at the center. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So in the in the show notes, I'll include the link and yeah. you can read it all online. OK. And some really good stuff. Really interesting stuff. Wow. That sounds amazing. Also going to be depressing. Yeah. 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 There, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's part but of it. But it, like I said, it'll feel like, OK, good. I'm not yeah. the only one. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of is a good segue to my pick this week for other genre because it also is absolutely amazing, but can have some some depressive moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's called Alive at the End of the World by Syed Jones. Um, who wrote, I think you recommended his book. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the name? Oh, shoot. I'm completely blanking. But yeah. How We Fight for Our, our How Lives. How We Fight for Our Lives? Yeah. Sure. Is that it? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Apologies about that. No. But this is his collection of poetry that came out in September 2022. Very cool. And it is Oh, just, look at you. You're continuing at the poetry. I, like we right? talked about last right? week. That's I know, right. I know. I literally Excellent. read those and then I went right into this one. And Perfect. I Honestly, when I was putting my notes together, I struggled a little bit because I had so many emotions when I read this. Oh, wow. I thought it was fun. And, and I'm going to tell you that I did it. I read it and then I also listened. He has a, a Audible original version of it where he reads it. Oh, cool. And it you know, was free with your Audible subscription. So I also listened to that and I, it was a different experience both times, but it was it was great. I, and either one are great, you know, together or separately. But um, it's a collection of poems about his own grief and experiences with racism and anti-LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. experiences. Um, but he also pulls on his own experiences that and by doing that kind of like opens up these tiny wounds that exist in all of us because it's so relatable on on some levels like these it's really focused on these little moments that maybe if you tried to explain to someone wouldn't seem like a big deal but to you are like the chasm the thing that hurt you you know yeah and it's so somehow all of that it's like so beautiful the way he wrote wrote it and there's some really funny stuff and it's deeply emotional but it's also it feels so relatable on a topic that I think sometimes can feel unrelatable for someone outside of that experience Mm -hmm. set um one of the lines that I just love, it's just the way he words things sometimes, but he was talking about um, being at a stand-up performance mm-hmm. and someone, he had a question and answer thing for some reason and someone was asking him some questions and he examined it further why it bothered him and he said, sometimes you don't like the outfit the question is wearing. <laughs> Which I just thought was like the Ooh. most brilliant way to say you don't like the way it's presented. You maybe yeah. don't like the person presenting yeah. it. You, th- the that tone, person, yeah, the, like, it might be a valid it. question, but the way it came uh-huh. out, I just I, that has stuck with me because I love it. Interesting. Just don't like the outfit that question is wearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What it's masquerading as. So I picked it for this theme because in allowing us into his own thoughts and feelings, he kind of turns a mirror for the reader for us to reflect on how our experiences have shaped us and what what does that mean for who we are and how do we accept some of those things? How do we make sense of that? You know, especially past hurts. Mm-hmm. So I, it's wonderful. It's a pretty quick read, but I really, truly enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of him, 
um, maybe a bonus pick for you because I, our friend Michael, yeah, recommended a podcast to me. Ooh. He's like, you're going to love this. And it has Saeed Jones as one of the hosts Ooh. along with Sam Sanders and Zach Stafford. And it's called Vibe Check. And each week, it's like a little bit of like what's going on and news and culture. But a lot of times they're just like, so what's your vibe? Just checking in with you. It's super funny. It's very smart. It's like it reminded me because you were texting me this week about Las Culturistas. Yes. This is there's a very similar like vibe Mm -hmm. going here. But, you know, like. Like I said, Sam Sanders is one of the hosts. He used to be on, uh, oh, I'm completely blanking on the other, but it was like an NPR, like news-based kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And so the perspectives are so cool. They had a whole uh, discussion about, um, you know, the demise of Twitter and like, where is black Twitter going to go? Like, they were really like honoring some of the good things about Twitter. Twitter, yeah, yeah. And, you know, acknowledging that, yeah, we may all have to leave because this is a shit show. Mm-hmm. They also had a discussion about why all sort of movies and culture is mid these days. And then yeah. so they define, like, mid is just kind of... Eh. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. so... Fa- Ooh, it's I'm really interesting and a awesome. lot of fun, too. Okay, good. So it's interesting that you'll get to see a different side of Saeed Jones because yeah. he is hilarious. It's yeah. really good. And you can... In some of his poetry, so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the things that happen, so funny. And that's what I... I you, everyone knows I've been honest about that all the time, that mm-hmm. humor always gets me. Oh, yeah. But it's humor done well. And definitely. it's humor that's insightful is something really special. And he definitely has that. And mm-hmm. you can definitely feel it in the poetry excellent well sounds great yeah it was wonderful i like the continuation of the poetry look at me go look at you go who knew 2022 at the end would be the year of poetry for aaron (laughs) see this is not something we would have predicted a couple years ago shouldn't have ever there you go no i would have run the other way continually surprising us i know way to go you know for pop culture i've got kind of a surprising kind of film too it's called good luck to you leo grand and it's on hulu okay and it came out earlier this year and it centers on two people nancy who is emma thompson oh uh and she's a retired widow and she has hired a sex worker named leo who's played by daryl mccormick Uh who is uh you may not have seen before he's also in bad sisters which i recommended a week or two ago yeah And Nancy has this desire that she can't even quite name, but she does know that she's had very limited sex with her husband. Okay. And she wants more. Yeah. So she comes in like a true planner. She has a list of positions she wants to try, and she has a list of all the things she wants to accomplish in this meeting kind of thing, right? She... and. But one of the interesting things that's revealed later is she's never had an orgasm. And that's not on her checklist. It's like she wants to do all the things around sex, but is still not quite prizing her own pleasure first, right? But of course, when Leo arrives and he's young, she starts battling her self-image because she's in her 60s. She's what she says old she feels like she's going to repulse him Mm -hmm. and at the heart of it she's struggling with this she's struggling with like a life of kind of regrets um and rules she's she's not really keen on her family to be honest she's not really keen on you know what she used to do with uh work so they talk and they end up having these fascinating conversations about sex and intimacy and what life hands you and leo of course is very sex positive and he's compassionate but he's also playing a role. And at some points, Nancy's trying to like get behind the role and get to know the real him. And he struggles with that. So there's a lot of interesting back and forth there. This is almost entirely set in Nancy's hotel room over the course of a couple visits. And there's conversation and there's sex and there's nudity. And at one point, it is so fucking refreshing to see a woman, Emma Thompson, in a normal body, just fully naked you see it all wow and it's just like such a revelation that you know it's not an item of like i think we're taught that especially as we get older it's an item of disgust yeah like we are nothing anymore where she's coming back into her body and understanding it and recognizing it and even starting to enjoy it yeah Yeah. so i chose it for this theme because nancy wants more she's not quite sure what that more is she's Mm -hmm. not quite sure the full parameters of that but she knows sex is one way to get some more Mm -hmm. she knows that was limited And just this idea that she's going to take it in her own hands. Mm -hmm. She's going to hire a sex worker, which in and of itself is a ballsy move for a 63-year-old widow. Yeah, And she's going to do this and she's going to try for more. And that's very cool and liberating. 
And she's not the most confident person for sure, but she's taking actions to do more, to live more. And so by the end, she might find, you know, a different viewpoint on life. And it's really entertaining. It's funny. It's sexy. It's emotional. And Emma fucking Thompson. Yeah, come on. She is amazing. Get it. It's just all hail her. Like some of her choices lately have been really cool and interesting. And yeah. And this is another just, yeah, I think you'll enjoy this one. Okay. Ooh, that sounds good. Mm Well, I, mine is also about sex. But well. Sex gone wrong. Oh, no. Yes. Mine is called, God Forbid, The Sex Scandal That Brought Down a Dynasty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we love yeah. a dynasty brought down. Yeah. We love it so much. It's great. It's also on Hulu. Okay. It's a documentary. All right. And wowzer, did they not hold back. <laughs> this is about Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife, Becky. <gasps> oh, yes. And Giancarlo, the pool boy that they propositioned and then used for years oh my god this is this sounds like it has everything the Falwells and a pool boy yeah so here's the thing that your reaction is perfect because i was fascinated by the scandal when it happened but it happened in october 2020 height of pandemic stuff i don't remember this right yeah no one remembers it because there was so much stuff going on yeah that no one remembers that this happened oh so it kind of got brushed under the rug. So I love them bringing this yes. back out. Because so if you're unfamiliar with the Falwells, Jerry Falwell Sr. started Liberty University, which is this ultra Christian university that has a moral code about drinking, swearing, having any kind of relations with anyone. This is a college, but they are held to the standard. Women have to look a certain way. All these things. He so, is, uh, can we say, a repugnant man yes just a terrible person terrible person hypocrite of all hypocrites 100 percent. and son apple off the old tree yeah hypocrite is number one so him and his wife becky they have kids but they've kind of started this persona of themselves of being like the cool like no they're both kind of well she's attractive he's not but they both are you know they both kind of play this like oh we're fun and all this stuff but the problem is is that Things that happen behind closed doors with adults are not supposed to happen at Liberty University. Oh, right, 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 right. right so right, they're right. on a trip and they meet Juan Carlo, who oh. is working at a pool as a pool boy. And his job really is to look good in a swimsuit and fluff towels and do all this. It's like a high end thing, right? Well, they proposition him. <laughs> and he, and the, the basis of the documentary is mostly interviewing him. And he says, I mean, this lady who's attractive and older wants to have sex with you. You're like, sure. And he has to get this kind of stuff a lot, right? Right. So like, why not? And then he doesn't find out until he gets there that, oh, by the way, my husband likes to watch. Okay. Also, that's not cool to spring that on you at the last minute. You got to be So there's a lot of things right from the beginning. But so I knew of the scandal and I was fascinated by Uh it. And I learned a ton in this documentary. I didn't realize how much... They strung him along by offering him business deals and trying to get him in on money and all this, basically knowing that they were going to need to buy a silence. I also did not realize the direct link between Jerry Falwell Jr. and Trump (gasps) and how and Michael Cohen's involved in this story. There is some details that I had no idea about. And I'm telling you what, it's an hour and a half and it is worth every minute. It is a delight. I I felt like you listen to Juan Carlos speak, you can understand. I think something that without seeing a person talking about it, you might be like, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you call for that? And they interviewed his sister and his Uh. sister saying like, I kept telling him, why are you doing this? But I think this and this, I mean, they really humanized him in an authentic way. Yeah. Him just explaining his thought process and this is how where it got to and I was trying to be nice about this so I was silent for a period of time I mean so fascinating you gotta wait until probably you're an hour and 10 15 minutes in so you're getting near the end and you're gonna hear a Jerry Falwell Jr. call to Fox News oh. that he made when he was drunk oh which also I never heard before oh. and it is phenomenal it's just phenomenal. Oh, my God. You're going to love everything about this. And I also think that for the makers of this documentary and Hulu, congratulations, because this got sort of pushed under the rug. Yeah, we needed to hear more about and this. And we needed to hear more. It just yeah. got wrapped up in a, in a global pandemic, unfortunately. And it was election season at the yeah. time. And we were very nervous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. well, this sounds like a wonderful But there's a, there's an interesting connection that they make between Juan Carlo and Trump losing. 
Oh. In uh was that 20, 2020? Yeah yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, I already like him. Good job, Juan Carlos. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a he also looks the exact opposite of what you thought by having a name Juan Carlos. Yeah. I'll just tell you that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, if only we'd paid attention, we might have got a little bit of joy at the time. But it was hard it was in hard. October of yeah. 2020. It was hard. Going but into the is, elections. This is and, an interesting. Yeah. Oh, man, is it interesting. Oh, that's wonderful. So you bet, I, I'm telling you right now, you're going to like it. All right. And they held no details back. <laughs> And I love them for it. Now I'm fascinated. I wonder how many people call Fox News drunk. Like, there's got to be a good proportion, right? I feel like a lot. I mean, I would assume Trump is probably drunk on a number of calls he makes to Fox News. He supposedly doesn't drink that much. Really? Yeah. That's kind. Of, I think. I think when you're that crazy, you don't need this. That's substance. probably true. Yeah. I mean, I think he makes enough unhinged phone calls. That yeah. It, he doesn't and, need any. But there's no substance involved, which is scarier. That's a scarier yeah, place that's to good be. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's just normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're the type of guy that's throwing a hamburger against a wall. Yeah. And mean that as like a scary tactic. Right. Right. I feel like if I saw someone throw a hamburger against a wall, my instinct would be to laugh. Me too. Totally. Be like, really? That? that you just okay, were, now you're acting like you're a three-year-old. You're the only one that eats McDonald's, so you hurt yourself, sir. You are a three-year-old throwing a tantrum. Exactly. It feels like yeah. a toddler where you're like, well, you ruined your own lunch. Yeah. Now so. you got to, you know. Sorry you about that. To, yep. Why don't you go to your room and think about what you did? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So. Hey, we ended with a bit of a positive note. Even if things are kind of still messed up, it's not October 2020. It's that was not. a rough time. It's not, yeah. It was a rough time. And that's why I should say that's why I picked it for this theme because you want, listen to his journey and his decision to say, this isn't the story I want for myself. And this isn't, I'm not going to let this narrative be written for me. Yeah. And even if it damages me in the process, I need to live in this and, mm-hmm. and accept it and own what I did and then move on. And it's kind of a beautiful, wonderful thing to see. That's great. Yeah. And it's also juicy, which is great. <laughs> it's just great. You just got to love a juicy documentary. Oh, yeah. Sometimes that's what we need. Yeah. I think so it's good. stuff like that that gets us out of the film and book holes. Yes. Yeah. 100%. It mm-hmm. does. Yep. It was fascinating. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, a little bit for everybody. Yeah. And something, some super exciting news about what our next episode is. Oh, we have another return guest. I bet you can guess who it is because it's the same return <laughs> guess every time. Because we, we love, love him, him so much. We love him. And I'll be honest. Listen, this time I said, hey, if you're if you're sick of coming to visit us, yeah. I understand. It's yeah. a lot. And he's like, no, I'm going to be there as long as you'll have me. And I said, well, oh, see? then my friend, this will continue for the years. Forever and This never will be the relationship for the ages. Uh, well, so we're bringing <laughs> Heath back for a pop culture episode. Yeah, I guess we didn't say his uh, name. End of the year wrap up. But then it is in my head. We did come up with another great idea that maybe we do around, you know, after we get out of winter, which is trying nostalgic foods. Oh, from- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Like snacks and candies and yeah. things and all the that things. We used yeah, to eat. yeah. I mean, now that he's said this, we can use him oh, all, all the time. time. Yeah. He really did not understand what he was doing. This when might he said morph that. from a book podcast into a <laughs> <eat> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two broads and an honorary broad. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's a great vibe. Right? Yeah. Like, he's what we need as we're going into, you know, holiday stuff. Yes, yes, 100%. So, yeah, we'll be rounding up pop culture. We'll have a good discussion there. And after that, you and I are going to do some more of, like, our favorite things kind of episodes. Yeah, Yeah. a little wrap-up for you. So, so much good stuff coming for your holiday time. And then, who knows, maybe in January we'll have a whole new theme. Because this was the end of our one-hit wonders. This is the end of the one-hit wonders. Yeah, so stay tuned for what we choose, what direction we go next. Who knows? The world is our manifestation oyster. I was just going to say that. The world is our oyster. And then I freaked myself out and thought, is that the phrase? And then I was like, why it is, is that a real phrase? weird phrase? I don't want an oyster. I don't want an oyster either. I don't want to be disgusting. involved in an oyster. I no. don't want to have my world be an oyster. No, they're slimy. Yeah. And even when I ate meat, that looked real bad. Yeah. Wasn't a fan. Yeah. I think I tried it at one point. but You ugh. did? I think. Really? Maybe. I have never. Looks like snot to me. Yeah. People yeah, swear by them. I know. I think it's one of those things that gets hyped and it's not good. Yeah. That's my thought process. Yeah. It feels like once you attain a certain level of wealth, you just eat a lot of stuff because you're supposed to. Yeah. And, you know, 
fuck off. Yeah. I'm still I don't want that. Yeah. Eat my pizza and my, you know, like things that I love, not I went to oysters. a family Christmas yesterday and one of the gifts that one of my nephews got was just a massive bag of gummy bears, but oh. they were all like little bags of them. So oh. then it was just, he was handing them out. So what I got, a guy. Some, I got That's some gummy nice. bears. Yeah. I to know. share. Yeah. Good old Titan. Just hanging out. That's a kind gesture. And when I said, I don't want your weird sour stuff, he's like, okay, you can have the normal ones. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. See, that's the kind of eating I'm at. That's the level I'm at is gummy bears are fun and great. They, well, that's just facts. And that oysters are disgusting. Also facts. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I never claim to be fancy. Yeah. For some reason, when I say something like that, which I guess maybe like feels like a hot take, I feel the need to be like, come at me, bro. And I'm like, I don't know why. Where's that come from? Like, don't come at me. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't do that. I don't know why I'm throwing the bro in there. But like right when you said, that's the kind of food I'm in, I'm like, yeah, come at me, bro. Like, whoa, why did I get combative so fast? You're in a very combative place. What is that? Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Something to think about at a different time. Something to think Table Explore that for that vibe later. Yeah, 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 yeah. So otherwise, in good news, you got lots of good stuff coming. So much. In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.